0: OBBM Business Roundtable. My name is Susan Hamilton, and I'm here today with a very interesting guest, and we're considering this conversation mission critical. I'm here with James Lockridge with Grassland Mowing and Commercial Farming over here in Farmers Branch, which is located in North Texas. This is a very important conversation because our food supply is in jeopardy. Now, I know right now maybe you're a little tired of hearing all the different hair on fire types of things every time you turn around there's some type of a big critical issue. But friends, this is your food. And one of the things about food is it's not immediately replenished. It's going to take a while to bring back the the crops and bring back the animals necessary. And of course, we are well aware uh, that there's a much larger agenda at play that well, is not really interested in you actually eating meat. Correct. <laughs> Correct. They'd much rather have you eating bugs. So I'm here with James, James, thank you so much for joining us today. Yes,
1: ma'am. nice to be here. So hopefully we can get through some things.
0: Yeah, let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. So first of all, you're an unconventional farmer in some ways, and a conventional farmer in a lot of ways. So you're, you you. How many head of cattle do you have?
1: Uh, roughly around 2,000.
0: And you're using, uh, you're using property in one location or many? Across the state of Texas. Across the state of Texas. And Missouri. Oh, okay. Very good. Very good. So you're seeing things from a a really large perspective, and I know you mentioned earlier that you've got you've probably got a hundred uh, farming friends and acquaintances in this uh, scenario.
1: Yeah, we're a small community, and uh, so getting smaller every day. But you know, we try to stay close knit and take care of each other if we can.
0: So uh, I made a comment to you earlier about um, the WTO's influence on the farming. Uh, industry. So a lot of people may not understand that when we're looking at the World Trade Organization, that is straight out of the United Nations. So this is not the World Trade Organization is not American. It is another governance uh, uh, that we are really allowing to have an awful lot of control in our food. So how do the WTO uh, regulations impact some of the things that you do on a regular basis?
1: Oh, to, to be honest with you, I think a lot of it is the fact that uh, you know they they try to control the beef coming in, the beef going out. They, they try to control the price of everything coming to the farmer. That you know the, the price of feed, the price of fertilizer, price of oh, wow. seed,
0: everything. Then you their know, hands are in it all.
1: They even our equipment. They they control it um, uh, across the board. Um, that's why you see a lot of these farmers getting out. The government is trying to kick the small person out to where they can have just one big farmer or. Two big farmers, or whatever it is right, that they right. need, so they're trying to, trying to do away with the small people and uh, you know take the ter- Texas heritage away from them.
0: Um, what would be the purpose of that? Why would it be so important for, on an, an international global perspective, for there only to be a few commercial farmers?
1: Um, a lot of it is they want control. Um, your 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 government wants control. They want to be able to control everything we eat. They want to be able to control how we use our land. They, you know, and if they can get control of that, then they got control of everything in the world. If they control our food supply, then they control the people. Nobody can survive without food. And if the government controls the food and the water, then what do we do? We have to be at their beck and call, no matter which way we look. Um, and that's one reason I think it is.
0: I'll tell you what, It's um, when we look at the state of food today, by leaving this in the government's hands on any level, we don't have healthier food. No. And we are certainly seeing the difference when it comes to the quality of meat that we're finding even at our grocery stores if they're not working with a, and that's something i really want you guys to to get a hold of here is just how vital the local farmer is this is not a small conversation folks no it's a big one this is the biggest conversation you may hear uh, because all of the, if you if what you're consuming you know i was recently as i mentioned earlier when we before we started the show is i had been to south texas and i found out that i've got family that's actually worked Uh, through that distribution and the quality of the meat, for some reason, I don't understand this. I don't understand how we've got perfectly great, healthy Texas cows and we are bringing in cows that are sickly and in bad shape from Mexico by the truckload that can barely make it off the truck. We get them in and we stand them up in stalls and we start shooting them full of hormones and steroids and uh, antibiotics because, of course, it's an unhealthy thing. And that's the meat. That's the meat that's coming out in your uh, big box stores and generally when uh, they, I don't understand, what's going on with that? Do you have any idea?
1: Not 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 a good amount of idea, but it's again a control for government. Um, you know, Texas today is, um, you know, you look at the cell barns and they're at their highest levels of selling beef. You call
0: and you call that cell barns.
1: Cell barns. Okay, where this we is take the cattle to sell them to okay. go to market for for butcher or slaughter, or um, and usually you have a lot of buyers that'll buy them and send them to a feed yard where at that point they start giving them hormone shots and they start um, doing everything that they can do to make these calves grow faster. The faster you can make them gain weight, the faster you can butcher them, the the faster everything happens. Um,
0: And you were saying they're growing how many more times?
1: um, I've heard two to three times faster than what they would out on the pasture. Um, So, you know, it's totally different from... uh, it's totally different from what you would get from grass fed. Well, that
0: sounds good. Like, so it's a matter of economy on some level. Correct. Wow, um, that that's really really amazing. So one of the things that that, that we know um, it takes what what that cow consumes. Correct. Is is going to be the health, and and we ultimately get what that cow consumes and what's in that what's in that cow. Uh, so it's important that they're able to consume grasses, and, it's inco- and, and not just any grass, right? I mean, we, when, you've got, when, when we've had such a drought, it's not always easy to find the grasses for the cows. It's very, very hard.
1: Um, it's hard to get grass right now in Texas because we've been in a drought, yeah. and a lot of the natural grasses didn't come up or they burned off. So, yeah, we're having a lot of issues with
0: grasses. Well, that's where grassland mowing comes in and i we think hope. yeah and i think that's that's really wonderful. So we've got so much more to talk about. We are going to cover even more when we get back. Don't miss this important episode. Go grab somebody to watch. What is the role of American government anyway? Is the role of government to decide where i can go and where i can't? Is the role of government to work tirelessly to destroy vital infrastructure that keeps goods and services from my customers? Is the role of government to choose who can drive, fly, or ride according to mandated stipulations that threaten my body, health, mind, and conscience? Without medical freedom legislation in place, our rights and freedoms are one vote away from being dissolved. Individually, change is improbable but as an aggregate, attainable, it's time to act with one voice. My voice. And my voice. And my voice. And my voice. To protect our freedom, creating one voice that cannot be ignored. This requires your voice too. Your voice, your feet, your vote, not just at the ballot box, but training to be a poll watcher, precinct chair, judge, or early ballot counter, so you're doing all you can to protect the fairly counted American vote. Move freely, America. Go to movefreelyamerica.org to find a chapter near you, plug in, donate, and help our legislators defend our God-given rights under the Constitution. Move freely, America. Because my voice and my voice, together with your voice, we're one voice that cannot be ignored. Donate today. MovefreelyAmerica.org. freelyamerica.org. to the Health Engineer Show. I'm
1: Kurt Bukwui, the health engineer, right here on the off Alpec- Hi, I'm Larry
0: Corkman. Is- Hi, my name is Susan Hamilton, and you're watching off Hi, this is Dereen Milano.
1: Hi, welcome to Heroes in Action. I'm Ray Amanat, founder and creator of this training system. I originally made it so that everyone can train for free. We have programs for kids, for women, families, and businesses. I'm an author, speaker, and educator on everything that has to do with violence and bullying prevention education. If you'd like more information about who we are and what our programs are, please go to our website at heroesinaction.us or give me a call if you have any questions at 727-314-2534. We hope to see you here to train.
0: And we're back. You're watching OBBM Business Roundtable, and I'm here with James Lockridge, the owner of Grassland Mowing and Commercial Farming, which is a really interesting name for a farmer and, and for a business. And, and, but I wanted to explain a little bit to our viewers about the way farmers are using property today and why.
1: Um, well, we, we're trying to use it to farm, to bring beef into the state of Texas or wherever it wants to go. Uh, we're trying to produce wheat crops, corn crops, um, milo, um, anything that we can take to market to help food supply. Uh, the problem with Texas is we're just losing it faster than we can get it.
0: But you don't people. tend to own the property though, right? So it's common because of the way our ag laws are for you to be leasing your property?
1: It's easier for me. Yeah. Um, the market's too high. Um, some some farmers own a lot of land. Yeah. Um, me, it's just easier for what i'm doing for my business um you know i can lease the land at a reasonable rate um i can help out the uh, landowner at the same time and i can survive and so to me it's a, it's a win-win for for my operation um would love to own my own land one day but yeah. right now just can't do it,
0: but it w- even so, one of the challenges is that ag exemption. So whenever there's a change of property, if you were to purchase that property, chances are you would lose that ag exemption. You,
1: you could lose it real quick. Um, you have to refile a 1D1A application, and then you have to show five years of history. So you'd have to make sure the previous owner had his five years of history. Um, some appraisal districts know the land real well, and they will go ahead and grant the ag if you can show proof. Uh, meaning you have to have a receipt, you have to have a number head of cattle, you have to have a production uh, percentage amount of hay or poundage per hay, how much fertilizer, you know, there's just a lot of rules that the appraisal district has for you to be able to keep that ag exemption.
0: But it's not in the city's best interest for you to keep your ag exemption. So a city is going to benefit if, in fact, you do not have your ag exemption. So, Are there ever scenarios where they uh, kind of get in the way of that? Um, a lot of cities will try
1: to yank that ag- agricultural away from the um, landowner. Uh, mainly the school districts will jump in, they'll go take pictures of the property and send them to the appraisal district saying, hey, he doesn't meet the degree of intensity or you know he doesn't have a number head of cows he's supposed to have. So either the city or the school district either one, will constantly be keeping eyes on the property. And we'll send pictures to the appraisal districts, trying to trigger that roll that rollback immediately. And
0: so the the reason for that is if a de- land developer turns that into a multi-family home uh, or or multi-family building, they're going to or whatever they want to turn that into. There's a whole lot more tax money in that.
1: It's a it, it was a seven-year rollback tax. Then it went to a five-year. Um, it's supposed to go to a three-year if it hasn't already. I think September of this year or last year, it went to a three-year rollback tax. Um, but it's still, a big, it's still a big chunk of money that the city receives and the school districts receive. So yeah, they will do anything in their power to make sure that the farmers or the developers or landowners um, do, do not accelerate with that ag exemption.
0: So just to, to talk about what that rollback is, what that tax rollback is, um, so evidently, whatever that pro- when that property is sold, they're going to estimate the finished work of that property of the land developer, and the city is going to go after the tax dollars for the past five, and now you're saying three, sure. years Correct. of what it would have been at that rate if it was finalized before anything's ever done. Did you know taxes worked like that?
1: Yep, they definitely will go back after them.
0: Mind-boggling. So there's a ton of value in kicking your butt out.
1: Yeah. So if, you can, if you can get rid of the local farmer, you the, the cities have won 100%. I mean, they have such an advantage um, to be able to get, to get rid of the farmer that um, some cities will go to the extreme to do it.
0: Well, and part of that going to the extreme, I would think, is public opinion, right? Because if you're just a nuisance, if all you are is keeping property that they can deem a nuisance or you're taking advantage of ag exemptions and you're not really, they can negate who you are, what you're using that property for, for the community to start going, hey, why is this land, why does this land look like this? Instead of having any respect for the fact that this is how food gets on your table, That is huge. So they can um, rally a community to be opposed to the local farmer and the local farming practices and rally the media to make sure that things are put in a slant. And you actually can end up with problems where you might have your city council or your your state level. You've got people that are, are really muscling you through... Uh, all types of different things. Maybe some restraining orders are going on. Maybe some, uh, you know, there, there are. You're not even allowed to tell the public what's happening.
1: I, I am not allowed to say certain things, and that is okay. Um, they're pretty much. Um, I've had one city take the freedom of speech away and cut me off and say that I'm not allowed to speak
0: at the at, at a council at a, meeting. At a city
1: council meeting. So. Uh, they are. They're pulling some uh, shenanigans, is a better term of it. But uh, it, it's one of those deals where uh, if I know I'm right, I'm going to fight till the, till the end.
0: Yeah. And,
1: uh, you know, a lot of cities don't like the fact that farmers are in their cities. Um, one city has said cattle cannot be in the city except in this one zone. And so we had to move 25 head because the city would not back off of us. And that goes back to our government overreach. It goes back to our state not stepping in to help the local farmers and yeah. the local ranchers. So if, if the state doesn't start helping us and people don't start standing up, we will lose our food supply real quick. And we will be shipping beef across state lines and across the borders just to be able to survive in Texas. And so it's, it's a big pandemic and uh, you know we're trying to get that changed.
0: It's a a ridiculous scenario. So what I hope that we're accomplishing here is opening your eyes to a little bit of what's going on that possibly in your community. And if you don't know, I suggest you start asking some questions. There are a lot of pieces to this puzzle, and we are going to finish uh, when we come back because there's a whole lot more. Multiple streams of income are the local business owner's new protection against inflation. If you enjoy sharing health insights and helping others live their healthiest lifestyle possible, you can create wealth for yourself and your family by doing what you love to do every day. Call 469-939-8933. Discover how to incorporate additional financial revenue into your love of health and wellness and the work you're already doing. Using your time wisely and leveraging networks you already work with. Ready to learn more? Join the Wellness Institute's Corolla Bradas subject of the book, Look Beyond Tomorrow, to help even more people realize their potential and achieve their health goals. Build a side business with products sourced in North America and protect your bottom line. Call 469-939-8933 today. That's 469-939-8933. Call now. How long has it been since
1: you've updated your brand or restocked your promotional items? The more often people see your company logos and taglines, the more often your company comes to mind. That top of mind thinking is exactly what grows businesses and generates revenues. So at Big Feet Creations, I've dedicated my time and talent for over 30 years designing and illustrating print and digital products that people love and remember. Now we're adding website design and audio-video editing, too. Call Big Feet Creations at 469-450-7350. I'm a big guy, and I've taken big steps to help you grow big. Big Feet Creations, 469-450-7350. Call today. That's 469-450-7350.
0: The OBBM Network is the premier voice for local business and we take that responsibility seriously. The OBBM Network has everything you need to grow and transition your business for success on popular syndicated podcast networks, Roku and other video channels, and the OBBM Network app. We work for you, local business, and we've got your back. And we're back. You're watching OBB and Business Roundtable, and we have been talking about really a lot of, of the land uh, because there are, z- we just don't understand what it takes. For instance, for one head of cattle, how much land do you need?
1: Well, the state the state of Texas to qualify for ag, um, it depends on the region you're in or the area, which one you want to call it. Um, they have, uh, you know, in West Texas, it may be one cow to every 30 acres, whereas East Texas, it's one cow to every like four to five acres or two to three well, acres. Well,
0: I'm not even talking about qualifying for the egg exemption so much as what does it take to survive to have healthy cows? What do you? What kind of property do you need to be able to do that?
1: Um, depending on your herd, but I mean, honestly, you need some good, good quality dirt. Um, You know you've got to have great great dirt underneath your grass and you got to be able to fertilize you got to be able to use the seed and you know you got to be able to grow things and uh, the way that Texas is being built they're taking all of the great farmland in Texas I mean if you watch how these cities grow they do they pick all of the good land to build on and they leave us farmers and ranchers with nothing but what I call trash dirt or floodplain or unusable land that you cannot farm. I mean, you get a lot of floodplain, or you get a lot of trash land with rock and stuff, so uh-huh. that makes it hard for, uh, for the farmers to keep continuing. But every day, Texas is losing sections of land every single day, two to four sections of land a day, due to development or due to the city's overreaching government, kicking them out, or whatever that case may be at that time
0: so i wonder where they think they're going to get their food walmart yeah it just kind of shows up
1: just shows up at walmart (laughs) well um, people don't realize that uh, texas is going to run out of food not just texas but other states as well but Mm. texas will Mm. run out um really really quick um, if we keep having to sell due to high prices from the government and high prices of the um, seed fertilizer and tractors even equipment is is to an outrageous point that the farmers and ranchers are going back to the 1980s, the 1990 tractors because you don't have all the electronics and you can run them without costing you thousands and thousands of dollars. Um, you know the government has put such a strenuous um, demand on the tractors that you know farmers farmers can't survive. You know you go buy one machine for one combine, a million dollars, a million and a half dollars now. Um, it's crazy. We can't, a farmer cannot survive at the rate that we're being pushed by our local governments and by our state governments.
0: So this isn't just happening to the Dutch. <laughs>
1: no. No, this is across, this is across this, the map.
0: Yeah, and you know, we laugh because it's, it's, it's that painful. Because this is, uh, this is our food and it's not so quickly um, generated. Once that's gone, you know, how, do we, how long will it take to then build it up?
1: It'll take forever. Uh, we won't see it in our lifetime. Um, you know, two or three generations down might see it again, but uh, at, at this point, the rate we're going, um, there will be nothing organic in our lives anymore um, without beef, without milk, without bread. You know, and without, you, you, you think those are just food, but honestly, truly, if you look at where all of that stuff comes from, it starts at the ground and it works its way up to our mouths and right now they're 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 cutting it off they're they're stopping the chain of command of how this stuff gets to our mouths and they're interfering and using hormones and controlling farmers or ranchers of what they can and can't grow how tall their crops can be Um, you hear some cases across the map where the government paid them to plow their crops under paid an enormous amount of money to the farmer to say, okay we don't want your crop, plow it under, we'll give you this amount of dollars.
0: Now what on earth would they be doing that for?
1: um, A lot of farmers farmers have posted that Um, and again I don't know for sure that's true, but you see it you hear about it. Um, A lot of farmers are saying, no, we're going to harvest our crops and we're going to uh, keep farming. Um, But then again, it goes back to we have that. We have that routine. It, it's kind of like the food chain. You start at the bottom, and you know it's a pyramid. You know of where our food comes from and what eats what. And you know as as the chain, the pyramid grows. So um, again, we're interfering with everything um, that we have lived on since Texas become a state, or since the United States have become a state. We've got away from reality, and we went to uh, organic materials.
0: To inorganic. Yeah. Yeah, to the inorganic. 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 Um, Yeah, that's really really troubling. So we want to get behind you. We want to get behind you. We want to get behind. We want to know how we can be supporting our local farmers. And I'm sure if you're thinking... Like I'm thinking, we we understand this is mission critical. We need to support you. What? How do we get behind our local farmers and, and really change? Is it helpful to sell directly to the to the public?
1: So I've started selling directly to the public for beef, um, garden stuff as well. Um, it's easier. As as I've grown and um, donated or gave cattle to individual families. Um, They tell me, wow, this is way different beef than Mm -hmm. what's in the store. Wow, the taste is better. Wow, I can't believe it's so good. Uh, And just word of mouth from that family to another family to another family, you know, we butcher a lot of calves, um, steers or heifers um, for families, and, you know, they pay us for that beef. And it seems to be starting to become a trend um, as we grow every year. Uh, we notice we pick up one or two families every year wanting a half a beef or a full beef. Or, yeah. you know, so
0: but that's not enough to sell. You, you've got to sell quite a bit for that to be lucrative for you.
1: It does. It's not, a, it's not something I could live off of right now. But uh, if I can keep producing and I can show the people the difference between what's at the market and what's at the farm, um, and they can taste and see the difference... That pandemic will continue to grow, and it will force these companies to stop adding all this other stuff to our, to our beef. And mm. our
0: so there is supply. some hope. There is some hope that we can take back some of this control if we act now. James, would you come back and talk to me again? I will. Thank you so much for being here today. No I appreciate problem. that. Until next time, folks, you've been watching OBBM Business Roundtable. Share this with your friends.